Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Well, hello, and thanks for joining us on the Food Bites with Sarah Patterson podcast. Lovely oh, to have you, company. Kevin Philip Hillier. It's always a pleasure. Present, present, present and, counted <laughs> and accounted for. for. That's me. Another great show on the way. Hope you're going to enjoy this one. I'm sure you will because we have a terrific guest. He's actually just winged his way in from overseas. Well, to he's be on the been program. in. Uh, he's been in Brazil, hasn't he? Brazil, yes. Uh, on the other side of the uh, the universe, and it's very different. He tells us, Mike Hammond. You'll know from oh gee whiz, he's the face of Foxtel. He is, and if you find them now with a complaint, he'll he'll tell <laughs> he'll you, sort you out. Press one and <laughs> press two. Press uh, he'll tell you all those things. He's also a master uh, pumpkin risotto maker, as we'll find out. And uh, of course, from uh, from television viewers, Gladiators and yes. uh, GMA and a whole lot of stuff that he's done over the years too. But very very and a very distinguished radio career. Yes, absolutely, very distinguished radio career through all the big stations in uh, mm. in Sydney and Melbourne. He's our guest today. And our food poll today. <laughs> oh, our food poll today. Is <laughs> we've put <laughs> we've put a sausage up against a pie, but not just any sausage and pie. Hardly a, a fair fight. So <laughs> a good old bunning sausage versus the uh, the meat pie, the footy. Yep. Uh, when you go to so it's a, it's a mood thing as well as a food thing. Well, it, it actually <laughs> it, it, it has far deeper roots than that, as you'll find out when we get to the food poll mm. later on. Much deeper roots than that. But uh, let's get to our guest for this week, very good radio and television performer in Mike Hammond. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Um, thanks for doing this. Are you a food person as such, Mike? Well, um I eat food to live. <laughs> no, I, I, I am a, I do like food. I'm not a foodie. I'm not a, I don't know. I won't go and sit there and, 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 and sort of ooh and ah over a digestation menu or something like that. But, yeah. um, cause normally I go there and you just end up feeling hungry when you finished eating, you know? So, um, but I do like, I do like good food, obviously. Can you find your way around a kitchen all right though, if push comes to shove? Of course I can. Having been a you know single dad, I've cooked all sorts of things: chops with mashed potato and peas, uh, <laughs> you know, roast chickens, roast lamb. I mean, I can do all the staples, you know, the pasta bolognese, you know. So yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty dead hand, and I'm not bad at uh, slicing and dicing and all that sort of stuff. And I, I'm one of those people who likes to clean as I go. So I, I have a very organised kitchen. So what's your posh dish? Have you got a posh <laughs> dish? Um, my posh dish would probably, it doesn't sound very posh, but it's actually a bit tricky to prepare. It's a pumpkin risotto. Oh, oh, nice. Oh, it's not really that hard, guys. Oh, yeah, but it takes <laughs> a lot of attention, a lot of standing and stirring. You know, a little bit of chicken stock, cook it up slowly, and then you, you um, parboil the, the uh, butternut pumpkin, you know, chop it up into cubes, and then you just toss that in at the very end. There's Easy peasy. A lot of stirring and ladling involved with that. There is. That's the thing. You've got to sort of stand at the stove and pretend you're an Italian mama. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, Mike, where in the world do we find you uh, these days? I'm, I'm at home in Sydney right now. So uh, I have just been back for three weeks. The previous six months or so, I was uh, living in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro. Pray tell. Pray tell why, sir. <laughs> Uh, I, there's not a lot I can tell, but uh, look, I've, I've had a bit of a. I'm having a bit of a. After two years of COVID, I've decided that there's a bit of life that needs to be lived. So uh, this is a bit of a gap year for me at you know years of age. But um, <laughs> I think it's important to stop and 
take a bit of time after everything that we've all been through, you know? Yeah, yep. good advice. Well, I guess there were some culinary uh, delights over where you were. Well, Brazil's food is, um, I mean, look, look, they love barbecue and they do a different barbecue to what we sort of do in Australia. I mean, they do um, churrasco and it's, um, it's like all the beautiful cuts of meat and sausages and all the rest of it. And then you slice it bit by bit by bit off the, off the steak as, it, um, as it's cooking. So uh, I love I love barbecue and I love meat. Yeah. So um, that's that's something that I that I actually absolutely love. But something that's good for us now that it's got, hasn't it got cold? Yes, hasn't oh, yeah. it got cold? I mean, yes. you'd expect that with winter, but it's just suddenly gone bang. But um, there's a, a, a traditional dish called fajoda, which is a, a sort of a, a big hearty stew, which is made from a whole lot of different cuts of pork, and it's cooked uh, with b- black beans. It's a sort of a national dish. Dish. It's served all around the country. It's made with um, sometimes not the best bits of uh, of the pig, you know, like the trotters or the ear or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's basically it's all stewed down into a sort of a gelatinous, um, hearty stew. It's really quite tasty and it's good for you. Okay. Yeah, it's all about about the uh, the nose to tail uh, proposition, isn't it? <laughs> Well, I, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's becoming less appealing as the, the more we talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of the traditional dishes. And, of course, in Brazil there are people, um, you know, there are, uh, there's a great disparity in wealth. So uh, a large proportion of the population don't have a lot of money uh, when it comes to, to um, well, basically to living. So, um, you know, they live in the favelas or out in the countryside and they sort of, they tend to use the, they use every part of the beast when, um, when, mm. when something is, is cooked. Now I've got to ask you, Brazilian coffee uh, is that is that good? Is it better than what we get here? And are you a coffee snob or a coffee drinker at all? I am a coffee drinker. Brazilian coffee is great, although it's hard to find it well roasted in Brazil. But I tell you what is best in Brazil: it's Brazilian chocolate, cacao. Oh. is grown there. It's one of the oh. countries in the world that they grow it, and you can go up to the up to the um, the, the highlands where um, the cocoa trees are growing, and they have the harvest and they, it's just fantastic. They roast it and then they make these the most beautiful chocolate. It's fantastic. Oh, really, really good. Sense. In fact, a friend of mine has become a chocolatier and he just won a silver medal um, at a big showing over in France. So um, it's, it's, it's really, really very impressive. Oh, wow. Very impressive. It tastes fantastic. Oh, do you have a sweet tooth yourself, Mike? Um, look, I do actually. I don't. No one likes to admit that they do, but at my age, I haven't got a single filling in my in my head. Wow. None, none of my teeth. Not 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 a single, not a single cavity. So, I don't know. I think my mother took fluoride tablets when I was gestating. So, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe I've got you know bionic kidneys or something like that. But um, uh, because of it, but um, no, I've, I, I've never had a I've never had a hole in any of my teeth. Wow, ever. And I've got to Bizarre. say, I've got to say, Mike, you do appear like I've never met you in the flesh, but you look from everything I've seen eternally uh, youthful. Do you? I mean, do you have dietary secrets behind um, that? No, no. I think it's a state of mind. Yeah, I think it's just a state of I don't know. I mean, look. I mean, thank you very much for saying <laughs> so. I mean, I think I look. I think I look my age. Um, but uh, look, at the end of the day, it's just the number. I must admit, though, the number's getting up there now. And sometimes when I hear it coming out of my own mouth, I have to turn around and who said that? Who said, who said that? You know? But um, it's funny how it sort of just catches up with you, isn't it? I mean, mm. 
I was always the uh, I was always the young guy when I was working at the radio station. So I was always the new guy, the young guy, blah blah blah. But now, now I'm the old guy, <laughs> the old fart. You know? <laughs> See, nobody, no, really, that's Kevin. Nobody really wants that, that that little bit of advice that I'm just going to sort of you know dust off and try to try to regurgitate. No, let's go. Oh, no, thanks, Grandpa. You know, we, things are done differently these days. We've got socials. You know, so oh, okay, yeah, no worries. But I mean, don't you love these podcasts? I mean, it's just going back to. You know, everyone goes, oh, you know, it's like podcasting. It's the new big thing. And it's like, no, we were doing radio serials, you know, 30-minute long-form program all through the all through the 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, you know. Yeah, we Castle were. Castle Ray Line, all those great, yeah, you know, Dad and Dave, all those great radio plays. Yeah. It's, um, you know, everything that's old is new again. Do you um, do you miss the, the, the I mean, you're, you're not on air currently. Do you miss being on air? Oh, you know what? I just, Kevin... How many times can you back announce that Billy Joel song? Really? <laughs> yeah. Or that Phil Collins track? Oh, yeah, gee, that's a great, it's like you're playing it. It's like a 30 or 40-year-old song. You've just played it for probably the 10,000th time that you've played it yourself, and it's just, um, you know, I'm enjoying, I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying not having the challenge of trying to make, make something sound new every time, every time you play it when it's 30 or 40 years old. Yeah. Yeah. You've certainly had a varied uh, broadcasting career, Mike. I mean, face of Foxtel and, and going back, as you and Kevin just said, years across TV and uh, radio. Are there, are there any particular highlights that stand out? Um, well, I mean, highlights, uh, it depends, <laughs> it depends <laughs> on, on what's a highlight. I mean, my first ever radio job, um, we won the America's Cup. It was 1983 and uh, – I was working at this little country radio station called 2LF, um, which is in Young in New South Wales, but I was broadcasting out of a sort of a satellite studio in a town called Cowra, which had about 5,000 people. And um, I remember I got a phone call from uh, this lady who, you know, she basically, she was our sales manager, but she used to, she used to like to get into the sherry a little bit. And uh, she rang me. I was on air doing breakfast at a quarter past eight. She goes, oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. The prime minister's just declared today a public holiday. Tell everybody. Tell us. So, you know, I'm sort of straight on the, on the, at the end of the record, back announced it and said, oh, it's a public holiday, blah, 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 blah. You know, mm-hmm. then just moved on. And with that, school buses stopped. Started doing three-point turns on country roads and took all the kids home. The next shift didn't turn up at the abattoir or the, uh, the, the, the um, white goods factory. I mean, I just I shut the whole place down. That's that's when I realised in my very first radio job the importance of checking and double checking <laughs> before you do anything. But also the power of radio. You know, that was yeah. it was a pretty salient lesson. So, yeah. Anyway, that was a bit of a highlight. I didn't stay at that station much longer after that. I, I threw everything I had into my Datsun one twenty Y and uh, <laughs> burned it up the highway to to Orange to my next radio station soon after that. Two GZ. Yeah, oh, God, how do you know that? <laughs> it's my Rain Man quality. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> no, all those, all those regional radio stations. Yeah, so I was at 2G Wiz for a while, then I went to Canberra, the 2CC, yeah. which was a great time, and then uh, 2Wiz, where did I go after that? Newcastle, and then uh, 2SM in Sydney. Yep. Yeah, and then down to Melbourne, down to 3TT. I was there for the oh. first day when, when uh, 3TT went to air. Um, so I was part of the, the launch team for that, and that was fantastic. And then I joined, um, well, Austereo, as they were called then. Kevin, you know, I mean, everybody worked yes. for, for the group at some stage. And, yep. and uh, I started working at Today FM in Sydney when, 
when that became part of the, the, the national network. Oh, so, so you, you would have realised too then if you were in uh, Melbourne and uh, Sydney that Melburnians very much are coffee snobs. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> a, Sydney, oh, yes. a Sydney side is the same. <laughs> of course, of course. But, it, you, know, you know, in Sydney, I, I don't know this Sydney-Melbourne rivalry. I think it all comes from Melbourne because, quite frankly, in Sydney we don't give it – we couldn't care less about Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think the whole rivalry just comes from Melbourne. It's like always Melbourne's worried about – you know, being being second guessed or second rated to Sydney, but you know, quite frankly, we just we know Sydney's the best, and we don't care. <laughs> yes, certainly, Whoa. certainly, Sydney siders seem to feel that way with regards to the weather, and most of the time, it's true. Melbourne's oh, weather is cold. Yeah. Well, I mean, Melbourne, you know, it sort of clouds over sometime in late April, and it doesn't get sunny again until October, <laughs> November. But yeah, but seriously, you take the bridge, the Opera House, <laughs> and and the beaches out of Sydney, and what do you got, yeah. Brisbane? Um, you know. <laughs> well, mate, it's still not the Yarra, is it? I mean, come on. <laughs> no, <that's a> <laughs> With those picnic boats going up and down, everyone has to duck to go under those bridges. <laughs> yes, the low-flying bridges are a bit of a problem. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was a bit of a design flaw, wasn't it? They should they should go back and revisit that. Absolutely. The only one that was high, the only one that's high is St Kilda Road. That's St Kilda Road bridges, isn't it? Near yeah. the, Near the art gallery. Yep. yep, yep, on the corner there. Yeah, no, that's that, yeah. one, that one goes right. Fair call. That's now, the only one you don't have to duck to go under. <laughs> now, being a world traveller and, uh, you know, a man who's, uh, who's interviewed uh, rock stars and, uh, and you know, people over the years, uh, you're, you're having a dinner party at your place, Mr Hammond. Who gets, who gets an oh. invite? Are they deceased or are they with us? Who, what, what, they can be, they? be both. They can be either, preferably, you know, whichever, whichever you like. Preferably alive when oh. they arrive, yeah. yeah. That helps. Right. Okay. Well, alive when I arrive. Well, I've got. I've, there's four people I would love to have dinner with. Um, one of them is John Lennon, mm. and Yoko could come along because she's still with us, so she could come along. So, but we um, wouldn't let her sing. Yoko. Yeah. Oh God, no! Or cook, or, or design the menu. Um, so you could just sit there and you know smile. Um, Robin Williams, I would love. I think he'd be a fantastic dinner party guest. Yep. Marilyn Monroe, because I really want to know what happened. And David Bowie, because I'm just a fan, just okay. a fanboy. Yeah. Yeah, and he's a lovely guy. I um, actually did have dinner with him once, a uh, hundred years ago. Yeah. He, he actually lived sort of in Sydney, in secret, for a long time, um, for, through most of the 80s, the late 80s, and up until the early 90s, he had an apartment. In Elizabeth Bay. Was this and, the, Let's, um, the Let's Dance days? Was it when he was doing that? Yes, did, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, he did a couple of film clips here. So yeah, he did. Uh, Let's Dance. Um, what else did he do? China Girl, um, I think, was done here. China Girl, he did too. He did too. That was the one with the um, with the Aboriginal boy and girl. Yes. Mm. Um, dancing up, they were going along Broadway. Yeah, I remember that bit. So, yeah, so that was around that time. So I was working on 2SM, and I happened to say some sort of nice things. Uh, about Bowie after um, playing one of his tracks. And uh, lo and behold, he was living in Sydney in secret and he contacted me. <laughs> and and I went around and had coffee and all that sort of stuff and just just chatted for uh, an hour or so. He was just a really nice guy and he was just sort of living in Sydney in, totally incognito. Like wow. nobody knew he was here. Yeah, yeah. And he used to come here and then go off on little sort of treks up into the Blue Mountains or sometimes, you know, way up to the rainforest, up to the Daintree and stuff like that. But he used Sydney as his base and he, 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 he had an apartment here for about 10 years. So oh, anyway, geez. he's a lovely guy, so I'd like to have him for dinner as well. That's a very uh, very good uh, guest list there. That's yes. Thank you. Good. 
Very good. <laughs> oh, and of course, you and you, you and Sarah, Kev. Yeah. You're oh, both invited as well. thank you. <laughs> we'll be there with bells on. So what are what you up to? you cook, to? Sarah? Oh, here we go. Well, see, I do I do yeah. comfort food, Mike. I'm not the best cook, but I, I do an okay – oh, look, Kevin loves my chicken and ricotta cannelloni. Oh, nice. Very nice. So oh, I, gosh, that sounds extraordinary. It's a nice wintry dish. Yeah, it is. So I'd probably do that, and I might do a lemon delicious pudding for dessert. How does that sound? Oh gosh! Oh, you're a baker, are you? I like baking. Oh. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm I'm great at it, but I'm getting better. I just don't. I can't do it. No, I don't have the patience for it. It's very scientific, then, isn't it? Because it it, in, it entails a lot of measuring and and getting the uh, proportions does. exactly right. It does. You can't just go a bit of this and throw it <laughs> out. And of it. I mean, I can make banana bread, but I could I kind of do that off by heart, and it's just all by by. By eye, you know, a bit of this, a bit of brown sugar, and but I sort of look at all the stuff that goes into those those desserts and things when you're cooking them. And you're thinking, oh my god, I, I wouldn't eat this. What am I doing? You know, so I, I try to be, I try to eat healthily. So I'm I, I'm not a real big cake or uh, or dessert eater. Yeah, I like chocolate though. Chocolate I love, but um, not a big cake eater. I think you might and be certainly the not first a cake or a baker. I think you might be the first official chocolate snob we've had on the program. <laughs> You reckon? Yeah, you might be. You reckon? Yeah, well, well, at least, at least, uh, your self-confessed chocolate snob. I think you know, mm. cheap. There's nothing worse than that cheap. No, e- mate. Easter egg no, 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 there's no, there's nothing snobby about me. I love Cadbury's. I love Nestle. Yeah. I, love, I love them all. I eat okay. chocolate. You know? We you had a Kit Kat even. <laughs> we had a, a jockey on on this podcast not that long ago who keeps a secret stash of uh, clinkers in his glove box. Oh, <laughs> gee, that's old fashioned. That's real old school. Yeah. Clinkers. Yeah. Are they the ones that are sort of green or red yeah. or different colours inside? Rainbow. Yeah. And what is it? What is the what's the uh, what's the middle bit? It's like some sort of <laughs> We chalk. haven't identified oh, that chalk. yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is it? I think you might be right actually. We need Mrs. Marsh onto it, don't I we? Reckon it's, yeah. I reckon it's the stuff you put your pool cue into. You know when you when you <laughs> Yeah, right. And that's that's what it always it has that texture. It's like chalk. I think why are people eating chocolate covered chalk? <laughs> yes. No, absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> A ridiculous <laughs> chocolate, but we, we like it. Mm. So what are you up to for uh, for the rest of 2022 and uh, and into the future, Mike? Uh, well, I'm heading up to – I'm going up to visit a friend in Bali in a, in a few weeks' time. So really for the rest of this year, it's, it's travel. And um, just to be able to go and do the things that we just haven't been able to do and just to go and – Enjoy life, and right. just remember that there is a there is a big world out there. Although things have changed, it's um you know it's a very different world to travel in. But um you know uh, my experience is that here in Australia, because COVID sort of came later, because we were we were good at keeping it out with the border closed and all that sort of stuff. Um, we're still sort of we're still hanging on a bit to the I don't know the um. Um, the disaster, the trauma, the you know the the catastrophe yep. of COVID. Some people are still sort of trapped in that um, in that frame of mind. Whereas the rest of the world really has just moved on. You don't nobody talks about it. You'd, you'd be hard pressed to get people you know sort of even even mentioning it in a lot of countries around the world. Yeah, yeah we're still doing case numbers in our news bulletins every day. Yeah, that's right. So, but but again, I think that's because. Um, you know, we, we managed to keep it at bay for so long. And so we, after we sort of had to reopen the doors and, and get back to living with the rest of the world, once, of course, we were able to get um, as, many, as much of our population uh, who wanted to be vaccinated, um, that's, that's why. I mean, that's, that's why we're still sort of hanging on to, to that, you know, that, that, that disaster, I guess. Yeah. But the rest of the world has well and truly moved on. So 
that's what I'm trying to do is, uh, you know, get get back into life and just try to, you know, the two years, it was, it was, it was hard. I mean, you know, I, the, twice my mum, my mum's birthday is two weeks after mine in April. And uh, my mum is now 79. So her 78th and 77th birthdays, I think, she she had to have them on her own, mm. you know. Yeah. I had to go and sort of say, you know, talk through the screen door, G'day, Mum, happy birthday, I love you. Whereas normally we'd have a big family dinner and all that sort of stuff. And um, so there were some times that were very, very challenging. Yeah. It sounds so, from what from what you're telling us, Mike, that it's certainly changed your or given you a fresh perspective on how precious life is. Absolutely. Good on it you. absolutely has. Well, I mean, you know, because we can all fall victim to just treading water and, and just sort of going through the motions because that's what we do, you know, that's what my work is or that's who I am. And um, sometimes it's like it's a big world out there and it's a short life. So, you know, my dad, uh, he passed away at only 70. He was a very young 70 and um, he basically he got sick on a – he was playing golf on a Wednesday and he was dead by the following Friday. So um, it, it sort of happened very quickly and it's, it's one thing that I've – I've learned is that you you know you, you can't put things off till tomorrow. So that's 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 my motto. I'm, yeah. I'm no, not putting things you. off. No, good on you. Yeah. yeah, good way to live. Usually, just to finish up, uh, Mike, we ask our guests uh, if they have any uh, kitchen or cooking tips to share, or just one even. Oh, <laughs> okay. A cooking tip. Yeah. Um, when you fry an egg, basically, it should be. Poached in butter. That's the way to fry an egg. Hmm. It's it's a very slow and low heat with lots of butter. Oh. Okay. So not too brown. No, no, no. It shouldn't be crispy. It shouldn't be flipped over. It should, it's almost like it's poached in butter. Oh. That's the perfect Kevin's fried egg. has got a puzzled look on his face. No, no I'm just I'm doing it in my head. Uh, you know, yeah, It's a good idea. I like that. It's good. Uh, trust me. Do, do, next time you fry an egg, do it that way, and it, you, you'll never do it any other way. Okay. We'll do that. Oh, here's another way. Here's another way. For making an omelette, um, mix, beat your eggs, um, add a little bit of water, a little bit of milk, whichever you prefer, to, to lighten it up so you can fluff up the mixture. And then you pour it into a nonstick uh, pot, not a, not a frying pan, but a pot, a small, a small pot with a lid, and cook it on the lowest heat possible, and it will be the perfectly cooked omelette. I love it. We're going to try this. Okay. It's true. It works. There you go. Yeah, good tips. It's true. Good a tips. friend of mine from Yorkshire told me, oh, you don't do you cook like here. You cook it in a pot. I went, what are you talking about? <laughs> an omelette in a pot. It's, it's the only way to cook an omelette. <laughs> I love it. They're excellent. Beautiful. <laughs> hey, Mike, thanks All so right. much for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Uh, happy travels uh, for the for the rest of 2022, and thanks for joining us Thank on the program. Thank you, Kim. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sarah. See you guys. Get well, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. There you go, Mike Hammond. Ah. Uh, lovely to have him on the program. <laughs> what a banging story that is. The day he shut down a country town accidentally. Uh, uh, the power of country radio stations, probably not as much now, but certainly back in those days. Wow. <laughs> you know how we talk about who you'd have around your dinner table and your dream dinner party guests? Yep. Well, that would be the dinner story for the night for sure, wouldn't oh. it? Guess what I did back in 1983? <laughs> I shut down a whole town accidentally. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a lovely story. And, and uh, very good to have Mike on the Fantastic program. Fantastic guy. Thank you, Mike. Yes.
Very good. And, and happy travels. What a great attitude mm. he's got about life now. Go, go and do it. Well, after yeah. what we've all been through the yeah, past exactly. uh, two odd years. Which brings <laughs> us to our food poll. Oh, look. What do we do with this, Kevin? Well, we, uh, we're going to come up with a figure at the end that might surprise right. some people. The bunning sausage versus the pie at the footy. Yep. <laughs> we'll start with well, Bart. Well, uh, huh? specifically, let's say a four and 20 pie at the footy because the, the – Well, that's the picture. The four and 20 pie at the footy is very, a very Melbourne thing to do. Yes, yes. But yeah. we can extend it to oh, yeah, a bakery anyway. pie yeah, or – Absolutely. Yeah. As, as is about to unfold. <laughs> Bart uh, starts us off. He says, either or, as long as they are not vegan sausages or pies. Sylvanas says sausage at Bunnings definitely with onions. Yes, for sure. Patricia says sausage from Bunnings. Yeah, we're firing the uh, the uh, you know the obvious ones first. Joylene says both. There's nothing better at the footy than a mm. pie. Mark says a pie and a beer watching the Western Bulldogs with my mate Kevin Hillier and he'll have a wine. I'll tell you what, Mark, he won't. No, it's been a long <laughs> while since I've seen Quinny. Um, when I do, he'll be in for a shock. Uh, Terry Daniel says uh, this is a both vote. They each have their place. Peter says, a bunning sausage, thanks. Uh, Donald McGinley says, on a purely food level, snag. Now, if it means <laughs> I get to be at the footy, I would choose a pie. If they did a sausage sizzle at the footy, well, oh. then, now that's a thing. There's an idea. Muriel says, bunnings wins. Sue Hosking says, a bunning sausage all the way, even more so when a local butcher is supporting the organisation and providing the snags. Yeah, it's a good idea, or yep. for charity. Uh, Rebecca says, a snag at bunnings. Even after going vegan and moving overseas, when I heard uh, they uh, they might ban snags at Bunnings, I was devastated. But there they didn't, Beck. No, they didn't. Uh, Evelyn says, no interest in football and I hate pies. So this oh. is a no-brainer for me. <laughs> Davin at Nicholas says, uh, not a fan of four and 20 pies, but a pie at a country footy match is the best on a cold day, which are usually supplied by a bakery. That's so true. Yep. Nick Coe says, an easy call, democracy snag <laughs> is $2.50 and benefits schools and stuff. Yeah. 40 pies, $1,000, lukewarm, <laughs> and you got to line up for it. That's right, at Marvel Stadium. <laughs> a thousand, only a thousand. Uh, Nikki Elliott, <laughs> Nikki says, that one is easy, neither. Rachel says both. Muzz. <laughs> Muzz. Muzz. Says um, you have to move up to the hungry man's model to get more meat than pastry. Yeah. Robert at uh, Vic Robert 7 off the Twitter says, yeah. without a doubt, Sarah, the Bunnings mystery bag. <laughs> The lesser threat of the two. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, Kate Stevenson, on this one, oh, oh, this one is just cruel, she says, but a lukewarm pie at the footy with sauce just pips the bunning snag. Rosie Walton says, uh, now this is your toughest one yet. <laughs> I snag more than I footy but love both given the opportunity. Oh, but too close to call. Kingy says, it's like asking who your favourite child is. Now that you brought that up, Kenny, uh, Jada Angel says a pie, but anything you put sauce on is a culinary delight to my simple taste buds. And Peacock, both. Thank you, but no onion on the sausage. Mervy Hughes, big, big Mervyn Gregory says uh, a tough one, this one, but made easy by the fact that I'm not a handyman, <laughs> therefore very rarely visit Bunnings. Love the footy. A four and 20 at the footy for me. Thank you very much. The most detailed uh, answer Merv's given us, I think. Jackie says, I uh, preferred the pies when they used to be in the pie warmer and now they're soggy. Oh, for the bygone era. They were better in yeah. pie warmers, much better. Sam Newman says, by default, it's the sausage, but it must be accompanied by the onion. Last time I bought a pie at the footy, they were ninepence. Oh, <laughs> blimey. <laughs> Old croaky. I'm a pie lover. 
but I am troubled by the inconsistency of Australian meat pies. Yeah, yeah. Too many weak crusts and sloppy fillings. Yeah, yeah. Never had a problem with snags. They earn my special treat vote. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Pignataro says a pie at the footy and pies <laughs> at the footy. Is there had to be fan. one of them in yeah, there somewhere. Yeah, we knew there'd be one. Kerry Turner, oh, that's a tough one, Pado. I'm going to say a pie at the footy. Brown Dirt Cowboy oh. says the pie is safer in a COVID-infected oh. community. <laughs> Okay. Thank you, Brown Bird Cowboy. Stuart says sausage at Bunnings, helping the community. I don't think I could afford a pie at the footy, and I'll do the next one so you can mm-hmm. segue nicely into Wayne. LeBurns and Shirley. Hey, that's a good handle. It's a good handle. Four and 20 used to be a must-have at the footy 10 years ago. I would rather have a five-minute chew on a pair of Blundstones these days. Whoa. There you go. Now, Wayne writes, Wayne once writes. upon a time. Oh, I love it when he starts on <laughs> once upon a time. Once upon a time, there would have been a no. This would have been a no-brainer for the pie at the footy, but not anymore. <laughs> the four and twenty pie is not the culinary tour de force it once was. I'm not sure if it's because of a decline in quality or because the bar has been set pretty high with the gourmet pie market. Mm. There are some absolutely outstanding pies out there nowadays, and the old four and twenty is being shown up for the leathery, soggy oh. imposter filled with gravox and gristle that it really is. Oh. And the footy is the worst place to have a pie as the cost of uh, of one would clear the debt of a third world country, plus it's so dry and withered, oh. it feels like it's older than Methuselah <laughs> and has been cooked in the oven at the local crematorium. Oh. The bunning snag has become a massive part of what being an Aussie is all about these days. It beats the democracy snag hands down as a bunnings Sorry, I'll do this right because this is one of Wayne's best lines ever, I reckon. <laughs> it beats the democracy sausage hands down as at Bunnings, you can have a sausage and pick a tool rather than have a sausage and vote for one. <laughs> That's I like clever. That. That's very, very good, Wayne. Uh, and look at the massive public outcry when the OH&S police decided to try and take away the uh, take away the snacks due to some unrelated shenanigans. For once, the people stood up to the clipboard carrying <laughs> waste of blood and organs that assure us that they are here to save us from ourselves. And common sense had a rare victory. <laughs> Besides, if you're the type of person at risk of being killed by a stray bit of onion, then I'm guessing you were the sort of kid that wore a bike helmet to school, but you didn't actually own a pushy. <laughs> so it is the bunning snag all the way for this little black duck. Just make sure the onions are uh, on the top. <laughs> Vintage Wayno once again. I have to say there could be an issue with both the pie and the sausage for me, that being the gristle factor. I don't like finding gristle in either, in either a sausage or yeah. a meat pie, and uh, I tend to stumble across both. We've had conversations about uh, the decline of the snag. Mm. Uh, the supermarket snag has become a complete and utter joke. Yep, but even the butcher's ones we've had lately um, not, not 100% have fantastic a little bit of gristle either. factor. Yeah. One, and once you, once you stumble across, even the tiniest piece of gristle, yeah, it's, it's, it's game um, over. Over for you. And the uh, the old uh, the pies have become, uh, I think the gourmet, I had a couple of uh, mm. cracked pepper pies the other day. They were beautiful. Yeah, gourmet pies the are pretty really, good. The really good ones now are really good. But, yeah. but I'm assuming the sausages won the day on this the one. The sausages were victorious. They were. They were. For <laughs> uh, <laughs> the sausage sizzle at the footy. Now that was a good day. Uh, yeah, well, Concept. apparently the, one of the posts that we had, and thanks, we had so many. Yes. Uh, and I have had to edit it down a lot to, uh, to fit up, uh, as many as we could in. Uh, but uh, someone was saying at a couple of, uh, I know they do at suburban grounds for, for local footy, but at, uh, at the AFLW, at the mm. Witten Oval, they have a, a sausage sizzle. Yeah. So that's a good idea. Get in, hop in for your chop and or your sausage. Your sausage, yes, not your chop. No, let's not get into chops. <laughs> uh, look forward to the next food poll. Uh, hope you've enjoyed this edition of uh, Food Bites. Thanks to Mike Hammond for his time. I know uh, I always enjoy it with you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs>
Is that right? Okay, well, on that note, we'll leave and we'll be back uh, next time, whenever that may be, for Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and whoever else is sitting in this chair. Could be anybody. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.